Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Ask RiskWise. My name is Ahmed Munawar, joined as usual by Saeed Ali. Saeed, how's it going today? Assalamu alaikum. Fantastic. Can't wait to jump in today's question. So today's question is... Can I make money in the foreign exchange markets, Forex for short? Mm-hmm. The questioner expanded by saying that I put $100 into a into U.S. currency a few months back, and now I have $130. In my so local currency. I'm making money. Mm-hmm. How can I make more of it? Mm-hmm. Um, can you make money um, in foreign exchange? The answer, I think you have the evidence in front of you, and the answer is yes. Um, I challenge you to do that again. That's a good rate of return. Um, it was fortuitous for you, probably unpredictable um, when you did it. I mean, if, if the questioner um, put the money into U.S. currency in advance, thinking that her local currency was going to go down, then she could convert it back from U.S. to her local currency and make some profit. If she thought about all that in advance, predicted that the market was going to go by 30% and that she was going to make that in, in the span of about a year, and all of that was you know, good analysis and um, understanding on her part, then wow, I'm impressed. That currency fluctuation was uh, about you know 18 months ago wildly unpredicted, um, especially the magnitude that we saw in that currency exchange. And I hear this often, you know, people, young people, mostly, it's not always uh, young people, mostly young people do get excited at the idea of making profit from trading currencies, going into and out of the euro, the dollar, whatever, um, because they think that you know, currency is going to go this way or that way, or this economy is not doing so well, or that economy is going to go more. Forex trading, I mean, if you do Google searches, I mean, well, don't do Google Google search on Forex, I'll, t- I'll warn you. If you do that, uh, Google will advertise to you for the next six months these Forex trading courses, quote unquote. So, no, why is that? Because there's so many Forex trading courses being sold by people that probably don't know anything about Forex, but (laughs) know a lot about marketing and know that there's money in the niche. And I guess from what you're saying, it it seems to me like this is a hot topic among young people that for some reason there's an appeal to Forex trading and these internet marketers are making money off of selling courses to teach people how to do that and to play to that appeal. Why is that? Why Forex? Why, Why do people, why are they drawn to Forex trading? You know, it's funny because I actually, I'd, I'd like to know, maybe I'll do some Google searches tonight on uh, in private mode so I don't get those ads. But uh, there, there are, I see, because I'm in the industry a lot and I'm on Google and on the internet looking at financial statements all the time. So I get added, I get a lot of ads for this stuff all the time. But I see them in not just Forex, I see them also in short-term day trading. People who will sell you courses and sell you software and sell you memberships to teach you how to make money in short-term um, movements of the stock market. And we addressed that before, that trading is not investing. Trading is making a prediction, a bet. So it's a prediction with money. So a prediction with money attached to it is a bet. 
of what's going to happen to something, whether it's gold, whether it's stocks, bonds, uh, forex, whatever foreign exchange currencies, whatever it is. If you're going to make a short-term prediction and put money on it, that's a bet. It's not investing. Um, can you make money from it? Yeah, maybe, but the probability of losing money is very high. And I think, you know, to answer your question, why is this out there? I just think that people have a very skewed understanding of what investing actually is and how to make money with investments. And I think that's where it starts. So the episode that we put out there, um, uh, trading versus investing, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that. We wanted to put that out there to clarify the difference because I really, after speaking to hundreds of people, I really don't think people know the difference between trading and investing and they equate them to be exactly the same because they happen in the same place, right? They happen on the stock market or the Forex market, which I don't think you can actually invest in Forex. It's all about trading. But, you know, trading can happen on the stock exchange. So can investing and people just confound the two. So when you don't know the difference and you're looking to make money by investing and you see this course on trading and it's going to make you money and they have these very misleading ads that, you know, you can make 500% in a day, um, people get excited about that and they think that's what investing is all about. So, you can also lose 500% in a day. They don't tell you that though. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the thing about trading is I think that there is a very um, deep uh, – uh, emotional and psychological trigger at play here that they're tapping into. And that is the idea that I can sit at home at my computer, look at a screen, watch a graph and some numbers go up and down, click a few buttons on my mouse and I can make money. Yeah. And that's, and it's true. You can make money. It is possible. Yeah. You can also lose money. It's not a very good way to make money. And even Absolutely. the even the, the, the professional traders, the ones that actually make money doing this, will tell you that most people, 99% of people that, that attempt day trading will lose their shirts. Absolutely. And there's, there's actually data on this, that most people that get into day trading, they give up after a month. I think 80% give up after two months. And only about 1% actually last an entire year and end up making money. Wow. And the reason for that is because it's not an investment strategy. It's a job. If you want to be a trader and make money trading, it's a full-time job. You got to be at your computer watching the markets, you know, nine to five, or as long as the markets are open. And you've got to be on top of that thing like you're on top of your full-time job. And even then, chances it's are you're probably not going to make money. Yeah. So it, and it's like being a full-time. Is, it's like being a full-time poker player. Yeah, it's a job, but is it really a job? Yeah. And the problem is people take that and they think, oh, if I just you know trade stocks on the side, you know, with a <laughs> with another browser open at work <laughs> what i'm supposed to yeah, be doing engineering yeah. that somehow i'll make money well no you won't because even the guys that are dedicating full-time work to this most of them aren't making money and give up after a couple of months chances are you're not going to make money either and like you said with forex that's all it is forex is just trading you can't you can't place long-term bets in the forex market not that i know of yeah. i don't think you can is that even possible uh, you would have to expect that your local currency just continues to fall for a generation, which would be a terrible <laughs> situation to be in. But no, it's never it's never something that people actually go ahead and do and create a long term. I mean, think about it. Does money by itself, just by you having a dollar bill, does it make more money by having it? No, we know that. We know that actually holding on to money loses money because that's how the system is designed. So there's there there can be no way to make a long term investment strategy from forex. It's only trading, period. And 
you know, the the questioner who said that I made money from this and that's fantastic. It's uh, very difficult to do it again. And success in one area one time and through history does not prove that you will have continued success in that area. And I see this on a professional level. I see this with portfolio managers who are paid millions of dollars a year. They have a certain thesis that I think, um, let me think of one. Um, China is growing incredibly fast in order to, you know, continue that growth. They're going to need oil um, because, you know, they need energy to power all of their ships and trucks and and uh, lighting and electricity. So therefore, oil is going to go to $400 a barrel because China's demand is going to go up through the roof. That's been a thesis, an investment thesis that professional managers have had. And because they had made money in the early 2000s with oil and they saw oil go from 40 to 140, they thought, yeah, this is going to 400. Absolutely. I've made so much money here. I'm going to continue to make money here. So whatever Forex, um, whatever foreign exchange trade the questioner made, yeah, that made money in that year. And that's a, a great amount of money. And people who had done that would have made money for sure. If you held on for another year, and that's so that was 30% in one year because um, the Canadian currency fell by 30% compared to the U.S. So you buy $100 U.S., Canadian currency falls. When you go to transfer back from U.S. back to Canadian, you get a lot more Canadian because Canadian is worth less than it was before. Okay, so let's say you didn't make that trade. You still held on to that $100 U.S. and you waited another year. Are you going to make another 30%? In other words, is the Canadian currency going to again fall another 30% from where it is? That's not a bet that I would make. No, I think it's worth also going back and listening to the episode that we did on, I think it was called the seven simple rules to master your money. Mm -hmm. And in that episode, we covered the story of the richest men in Babylon, which is a, a famous personal finance book. And I'd still recommend everybody going out and grabbing it. I think it's either free or cheap, actually. Yeah, definitely read it. You can start with listening to that episode. But one of the lessons that was taught by... Who's Algamish? Is he the... the, the, Which one was he? Uh, Algamish is the main guy, right? I think so, yeah. And what was it? One of the lessons was that he he tried to invest in... What? In a bricklayer or something? Or no, in gemstones. Gemstones by a bricklayer. So he went... A a friend of his who is a brickmaker was going to a nearby city and he knew of somebody who was selling incredible gems for a cheap price. So he said to that bricklayer friend, okay, I'll give you the money. Go grab those gems. uh, If they're a great deal and come back and we'll sell them here. So that's what they did. But the gems were worthless. They were pieces of glass. So the lesson there was don't trust a brickmaker with your uh, gem decisions, right? That's not their expertise. Yeah. And I think the lesson applies here that if you want to get into the Forex markets and you want to start trading, you better be prepared to do a ton of work and a ton of research and a ton of learning and I would say even still, you're not going to make money. But if you're not willing to put in that work and understand the market, then you're, you're just throwing money away, literally. Absolutely. And, and there's, actually a lot of, there's actually data on this. Uh, I was reading before we started this episode that there's only 5% of the Forex markets are made up of retail investors, meaning yeah. 95% of the investors in the, foreign, uh, in the foreign exchange markets are banks and funds and um, you know big institutional investors and right. if you think you can outsmart them well only one percent of that five percent is making money so you probably can't okay so you just said something very important if you think you can outsmart them 
When it comes to Forex, we call this a zero-sum game. And the zero-sum game means that if you make a dollar, it's because somebody else lost a dollar. That's how Forex works. And there's an argument to be made that short-term anything works that way. That any money that you make is because somebody else lost that dollar. It's one for one. Plus one in your pocket, minus one somebody else's pocket equals zero. Zero sum game. So that means that if you're going to make money in the Forex market or in short term trading and the majority, vast majority of the market is made up by these super rich, highly funded institutions do you think you're going to take money from their take dollars from their pockets? Who who definitely are watching the markets every single day, glued to their screens, observing patterns, doing other research to complement their knowledge of the markets, and you know. Well, actually, I'll add to that. Um, now, in the past five years, there's been an expansion in quantitative analysis where people are hiring PhDs and brilliant MIT mathematicians to write programs and software to do short-term trading, and again, in any asset, including Forex. So that if you went to one of these courses, you paid you know, $2,000 to go to, the, to have this online Forex trading course, right? They're going to teach you these metrics, you know, 200-day moving averages, breaking through, top and bottom, head and shoulders, all these different ways of looking at a chart and trying to, you know, and come up to a conclusion from how this chart looks visually. You sound like you've taken one of those courses online. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know what technical trading is. You know, I do this for a living. I don't trade for a living, but I do, I do know the financial stuff. So the these courses will teach you all these kinds of tricks and all these kinds of visual cues. But at the same time, there are many institutions out there who are investing millions, if not billions of dollars to teach computers how to see these trends faster than you and to get a millisecond or a half a millisecond um, edge on any trade that you might make. I mean, there's a whole thing on high frequency trading, which I won't get into, but there are billions of dollars being put into making incremental bits of pennies per trade times $10 million per trade uh, by these institutions to try and make a little bit of scratch in the short term. So if you want to dive into that game, that is your competition. That is who you have to make money against. Yeah, I actually have a cousin who's a PhD in physics who works for uh, one of the big banks in London. Oh, wow. And I would not bet against whatever algorithm he's building. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. They're going to win. Yeah, because it's a a zero-sum game. Trading is a zero-sum game. Forex is an absolute form of zero-sum trading. It's a zero-sum game. You if you make a dollar, somebody lost a dollar. If you make $30, somebody lost $30. And you can do it once, but I challenge you to do it again and consistently enough that you can actually make millions from this a year or make tens of thousands from this a year. Yeah, and I think finally one one other deterrent from Forex trading, should anyone seriously be thinking about getting into it, is most Forex money, for those that are actually making money, is made on margin. And oh. when you're trading on margin, there's interest involved. What does margin mean? Uh, margin literally means you're borrowing money to make trades. Yeah. So let's say you want to make a bet of $100,000 in some currency. I want to buy the euro because I think the euro is going to go up. I want to put $100,000 there. Well, most people, when they do this, they're actually borrowing that $100,000. Yeah. So they very rarely will they have $100,000 in capital sitting there. I don't know what the what the margin requirements are for Forex. Do you know? Uh, down payment requirements? No, it's different different 
for everybody, how big you are, how much you do. Yeah, but suffice to say, they have a fraction of that. Right. Uh, uh, actually, capital in hand in cash. Yeah, so let's say you wanted to do $100,000, but the institution says, okay, we'll lend you most of that, but you got to put down like 20K. We'll do the other 80. Yeah. That means you're borrowing $80,000 to do a short-term bet. So you're betting with borrowed money. Like, wow. And, and, the, and the reason it has to be that way for people to make real money is because usually the, the, the profits in foreign exchange are too small to really make a significant amount of money without trading on margin. Right. And, that, and that's why people do it. And, and that's why you probably shouldn't. You make fractions of a percent one way or the other every day. And if you're only doing fractions of a percent of $100,000, you're making a few bucks. But if you can take your $100,000 and actually borrow 900 more and you have a million dollars to play with every day, now you can actually make possibly make a little bit more money or, you know, lose your shirt like most people. So I think we should wrap this up with one final point, Saeed. And, okay. And I feel like you, know, you and I talk about stock market investing a lot, and we've, we've dedicated a number of episodes to it, and we'll keep talking about it off and on in the future. And I think we kind of take it for granted, the fact that everybody should be invested in the stock market and the case for why the stock market is where your money should be as opposed to other markets. Oh, yeah. And I, this question, I think, you know, it, it, it raises that to the surface. And I think it would be helpful if we just, you know, make the case again briefly as to why people should be invested in the stock market as opposed to anywhere else. Briefly, you say. Um, <laughs> okay. So if you have excess capital, if you have money that you know needs to be invested, it's part of your big rocks that you have goals in the future that are going to require X amount of dollars, Y numbers years from now. So you have some big thing that's going to happen 20 years from now and I need to do something with my money so that 20 years later I have enough for what I'm looking to do for it. Our options are limited as to what you're going to do with that money for 20 years. And the biggest limitation is cash. We cannot leave our money in cash for 20 years and just build savings in a checking account or under your mattress. The financial system is designed to punish people who hold on to cash through inflation. Your cash will lose value every year. And that's the biggest deterrent. And it's a huge deterrent that's not to be underestimated when you think about it over decades, that we cannot be sitting around with money in cash. And that's one of the biggest things that have been designed in the, the, the global financial system to punish people who are hoarding capital and are not doing something with it. And and, and, and just if you, if you want to learn more about that, if, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to why your money loses value every single day. We dedicate an entire episode explaining how all that works. Exactly. So we, 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 we cross that off the list. Then as Muslims, we're going to cross off things that bear interest because we don't want that in our pocket, which actually is the biggest investment type out there in the planet is loans, things that you can lend money and receive interest for in, in exchange for lending money. When you add up the total dollars that's invested in that kind of stuff, it's huge. It's the biggest asset class. Um, okay, so that's out. Gold. Gold still exists. Um, we could still put money into gold, and over extended periods of time, decades and generations, gold does hold on to its value, and it does not lose value like inflation you know, erodes the value of cash. So that's a way to actually hold on to value over long periods of time. And I emphasize long periods of time. In short periods, two, three, five, you know, under 10 years, gold is wildly volatile. 
goes up and down like crazy. And that's very weird to think about, but that is the reality that in the, in the short term, gold is very volatile, but in the long term, over generations, over hundreds of years, it definitely does hold value. And the recent past is, is uh, you know, validation of that, right? That gold was, you know, 1900. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, like in, in the last 10 years, even. Yeah. And gold peaked around what? 1900. 1900. Oh, dollars. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the year 1900. And I was like, no, oh. no, I just mean like just recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the gold peaked at around $1,900 an ounce. What, what, and, and, you know, gold generally has an inverse relationship with the markets. So when the with, markets are down. Yeah. With financial, with, with global um, banking strength. That's, that's like probably the most accurate way to say it. Yeah. And the reason for that is obvious, right? That when people think everything's hitting the fan and it's time to, you know, prepare for Armageddon, <laughs> they buy the most real asset that they can think of or they can get their yeah. hands on. And that's gold. There's nothing more real than gold. Yeah. Right? Nothing more real than holding a gold bar in your hand. Yeah. And that's what people kind of jump to when things look pretty bleak. So, 10 years ago, um, well, or more than 10 years ago, when we were in the middle of a, of a massive recession, gold is at about $1,900. Today, when things are going pretty well, it's at what now? It's almost half of that. It's at uh, about $1,100. Yeah, exactly. So like like Said said, uh, in the long term, like over generations, gold is a good store and preserver of wealth. In the short term, it's very volatile. And ultimately, it's not going to make you any money because gold doesn't produce income. Yeah. Right? Unless you've like got like, you know, you're putting your gold to work somehow, which would be interesting. <laughs> gold just sits there. It doesn't do anything productive and therefore it doesn't make money. Putting it to work somehow. Huh. Well, like silver, for example. Right. So, so silver is a little bit different in that regard because silver oh, yes. has uh, industrial value. Yeah. It's used in stuff. Yeah. To a significant quantity. It's yeah, still not making true. money, but it has utility outside of just sitting there in bar form. Whereas gold is pretty much just, you've got gold bars and then you've got like, you know, desi jewelry, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all there is to it. Should I, should I go, go on, go off on jewelry and why? No, that's no, because then okay. we'll, we'll be here all day. So keep, keep going. Okay. So gold, it's not an investment. It doesn't make money. It doesn't generate income. It just sits there. Um, so what else we got? Interest is that, oh yeah, real estate. Yeah, absolutely. Can, can your house be an investment? Well, I think we talked about that before again. Um, there's two components to your house. There is the asset when that it just sits there and that there is possibly an investment component if your house actually does increase in value, it does go up, be above the cost of ownership. So on top of all the bills and maintenance and stuff that you have, if even after all of that stuff, your house still goes up in value beyond that. So let's say you buy a house for $300,000. You live in there for 10 years. You've spent a hundred grand on maintenance and all that kind of stuff. And you sell it for $400,000. Did you make money? No, you broke even. Most people don't look at it like that, but you should if you want to evaluate it as an investment. So there is an argument for houses be having an investment component, but we can actually quantify that. How much do houses go up by in value and price? Well, about 1% to 2% above inflation is generally how quickly houses rise in value. So we know how much it goes up. Let's compare that to the, na the next option, which I think is the default option, you know, generally out there in the world, in the developed world for sure, is investing in businesses. If you invest in a publicly traded business, meaning 
I can become a shareholder, become an owner of the business, not by engaging in some, you know, big legal contract and negotiating with the owner for a share partnership and getting a few lawyers involved. What if I just want to, you know, there's, there's shares out there that people are willing to sell and that I'm willing to buy. And I can do that in a very open, public, transparent way. That's a publicly traded company like your Apples, Microsofts, Googles. Uh, those are publicly traded companies. We know that big, you know, Fortune 500 companies go up in value by inflation plus three to 4% on top of whatever inflation is doing. So it's definitely more lucrative and does get a better return than real estate. I think it's important to keep in mind that ultimately what you want from your investments and what you need to live is you need income. You need money, right? Like either you need a, a large amount of cash to pay your expenses or you need income. And the reason that the stock market investing in businesses is so appealing and makes sense is because businesses produce income. They generate income and then you get a piece of that income. Your house isn't going to pay you. Your gold bars aren't going to pay you. I mean, you can bet on the uh, on the ups and downs of, of whether the price of gold will go up, but it's not going to pay you money. It's only capital gains, and that's unpredictable. Right. Is that a fair, and, fair idea? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we just talked about betting to death and why that's not going to work as a long-term investment strategy. You need stuff that generates income. Businesses that sell stuff and makes profit generates income. That's why we go there. So we started out answering this question and we were like, okay, this is going to be like five minutes. Forex, yes. we'll talk about Forex, like, you know, why it's a bad idea and yep. it'll be done. Yep. We'll be in and out pretty quick. And yep. somehow Said has this really incredible ability to turn a five minute conversation into a 25 minute conversation. How did you, where did you learn how to do that? It's really you, impressive. You threw two questions at me I was not prepared for, but what do you get? What do you expect, man? It's a, it's a big topic. Well, that's what I do. My job here is to keep you on your heels. So thank you, Saeed. We'll talk to you, right. inshallah. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.